Yesterday, we were at Pastor Mel's memorial service, and uh, I was speaking with Pastor Mel's sister, who was talking about her mother, who died, I think she said 10 years ago now, or 12 years ago, at 102, which is like, man, 102, that's, that is a long life, you know, and because I said to uh, Joy, is Pastor Mel's sister's name, I said to her, we were talking about Pastor Mel, and I, um, she was just saying what a great big brother he was to her, and I said something about, yeah, he was a, um, a really gracious man or something, and uh, in fact, were you, maybe you were there, and Rose said something about, what do you account for? Uh, she said, I, I credit my mother for doing that and you know praise God for that um, and I'll, I'll come back to that in just a moment uh, Pastor Mel's memorial but I, I wanted to tell you about a testimony I heard from a pastor yesterday he's retired from his local church he pastored in Kamloops for many years and uh, he had told me a few years ago I had the privilege of having lunch with Pastor Mel and this guy and his wife uh, and they told me about an extraordinary miracle that God did. And when I saw them yesterday, I said, boy, I still think about that. And they, they told me about something, someone that they know who had this miracle happen in the very recent past. A man who had, I, I don't know what had happened to his elbow, but it got utterly destroyed. His elbow got smashed or crushed or something, and he had a mechanical metal... Um, joint put in and he had this whole thing well this guy had a dream that Jesus came to him and uh, touched his elbow did something listen to this he woke up in the morning and the mechanical elbow was on the nightstand beside the bed which makes me laugh that God wouldn't just replace it or heal it, but would leave the old one there just to, you know, kind of put an exclamation point on the thing. The mechanical one was there, and the guy thought at first, what is that? And he looked at the thing and figured out what it was. He went to his doctor, and I guess whenever you get a metal piece like that, they have a stamp on it that says, the you know, when it was... Uh, made and put in and that kind of thing and the doctor said I have I have never seen anything like this he said this is absolutely the one that was put in your elbow it has the date it has everything about it and I just think oh man this is one of those things that you know when Jesus said the works I do you'll do and greater that's that it's like God doing things that, I mean, why can't he do that? I'm going to just replace it and just to blow your mind. I'm going to put the old one there. It's like took it out and replaced it. I just think, man, our, our God can do anything. Exactly. He can do so far and away. Like what Ryan was saying about someone greater than us. Several years ago, I had this thought. God is not just the same as me, only a little bit better. It's like 
the, the greatest person on earth is like closer to what I am than God. God is here and everybody else is just on, on a whole different level down here. God can do it. And it just makes me think, in these days, this couple, the, uh, this pastor and his wife, both just said to me, God is moving in this hour and he's doing things in the earth. And I think, yep, and we need it in this hour. We need stuff to happen. And in the same way that, you know, in Jesus' day, the Roman Empire had about, you know, Oh, about a hundred years more of full dominance and power before they were going to begin to disintegrate and fall apart. And God knew the timing of things. I mean, God has... History is his story. He sets it all up. He, he used the Greek empire to, to spread this extraordinary language around the world so that our New Testament could be written in this accurate, incredible Greek language and be communicated now for 2,000 years more after Jesus. The Romans built roads that went all over the world. So when the gospel began to spread, wow, it went all over the world. There's a place in downtown London, I remember seeing it, at the base of a building just on one street, there's this thing. They say, that stone was the stone from which they measured the distance from London back to Rome. It's like the Romans went everywhere and they built roads so the gospel could spread. Who would have thought? That's not that everything the Romans did was great, but history is his story. God's doing it. I want to just say, there's only a few of us here tonight, but let's believe God. Let's believe God for greater things, amen? For greater things than we've seen before, like, oh, can God do that? Oh, I doubt it. Man, what can't he do? Put a new elbow in and take the mechanical one out and leave it there. (laughs) I want to see him do it. I want to see more and more and more and more uh, of those kinds of extraordinary things. God, would you open our hearts tonight to receive your word in Jesus' great name. We want to be changed, God. We want our faith to go up. We want our fruitfulness and effectiveness in in presenting Christ to the world, we want our fruitfulness to go up. We want to see people get saved, God. We want to see lives transformed. We want to see disciples in Jesus' name. We want to see you do in this day the things that are unique to this hour, God. And we want to take off the limitations that we would put on you from our smallness of thinking and our unbelief. God, come and get a hold of us today. You're the author and developer of our faith. God, you've authored it. Develop our faith even tonight. In the name of Jesus, as we hear your word, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. All right, I mentioned Pastor Mel's memorial yesterday, and most of the people that uh, spoke at it, that in fact, all of the people that um, honored Pastor Mel at the memorial are people that have known him for uh, decades. And they, you know, family and uh, other pastors, and they honored him uh, wonderfully, extraordinarily, and, um, and he is deserving of it. I mean, I, um, you know, the, the, the uh, two-hour memorial, and I know it could have gone on 
you know, could still be going on today, telling stories of how gracious this man was to people and, you know, great, just wonderful things. But I was thinking of that uh, last night and today as I was thinking about the Word. And we've been talking about unity in the body of Christ. And, but I started thinking about the, the environment and the climate of the church. We're one, yes, because we all have the same Holy Spirit in us. So we can't not be one. We are one by the Holy Spirit living in us. But I started wondering, after being at Pastor Mel's memorial, what would people say about me? (laughs) Has anybody else ever thought of that? What would people say about me if I wasn't here? Like, how would it be? I think it would be incredible. (laughs) No, what would people actually say? But why wait, honestly, why wait until people are dead to honor them? Really? Like, you know, I, I appreciated one time, Brenda is not well today, Brenda's sick, so she's not here tonight, but at one funeral of a guy who was, who God used wonderfully, Brenda got up to speak, and I appreciated what she said. She got up, and she honored the person, because he was really close to her, but Brenda got up, and she said, with no apology and no disrespect, she said, um, we'll call him Bob, she said, Bob was not a perfect guy. He had flaws, and I knew him well enough to know some of those. But, and then she honored him. And it's like, to me, it was honoring, because sometimes it's almost like, let's say it's my funeral. Oh, John, he used to come into church, and we would hang on his words, on every word. He never, he never got mad. He never lost his cool. I know those are words that will not be said at my... <laughs> he, he never lost his cool. No, that won't be said. Um, it's like th- those kind of things. It is honoring to say, hey, this was a real human being who had some great things and God used him and blessed him and he was my friend and I know some of his flaws. Just like I could say that about my precious mom who passed away a few months ago. I saw some flaws. But man, I loved her enough to look past those things and say, yeah, she's like me. She's got some flaws. She's like every one of us, right? That's right. But why wait till someone is gone to honor them? And this is applied to me. There's something wrong with that. And for the church, I want to be, and I'll say this at the very beginning of this, why not have a climate of honor in the church. I want a climate of faith. I think I said that back about four months ago when I was, you know, uh, teaching on faith for a month and a half. I want us to have an environment of faith where we are helping one another kind of grow in faith. And, you know, when there's unbelief, we kind of say, you know, hey, brother, let's believe God together. I'll pray with you. Come on, Ian, I believe God can come through in this. And to build one another's faith up, how about also an environment, a climate of honor, where we expect that in this place, 
people are regularly honored. People are, we, we, in, and, and it begins, out of the mouth the heart speaks. So first we need it in here that we recognize, hey, people are worth honoring. People have good gifts. People that we know have things, we, sure, we know flaws, but we know, like, you know, Ryan just honored his aunt. His godly aunt called him up, heard from God, and it's like, wow, like, he, he thinks of her as honorable, at least in that. And how about it? How about a, an environment of honor that people come in and feel like, wow, I feel so encouraged after being with those people. They recognize something of value. And even people who are those extra grace required kind of people who have maybe a lot of, you know, kind of repelling qualities. About, there's something in there we can honor God for. Made with value, right? We'll never meet somebody who doesn't have any value. They, they have that. So let's make this a place of honor. I want to read this passage. Oops, here. Brought up these other notes, but here's the one we really need. Uh, let's look in our Bibles at an unusual chapter. I've never preached from this chapter, and uh, I've never heard a message from this chapter. It's kind of a strange one uh, for a message. Um, Romans chapter 16, verses 1 to 13. This is Paul after the... How many have read the book of Romans at least once? Okay. I don't know that there's any other high point in the Bible quite like the book of Romans. It's, it's powerful. It's, it's like... Um, it's just a powerful... Uh, doctrinal statement. It's a letter, but it's Paul just kind of laying it out in great detail. The gospel and and uh, nuances and important uh, themes all the way through. He gets to the end, and as he does in many of his letters, he goes to commend some people only. This one's unique because of how many people. There's actually 27 people that he honors at the end of this book, 27, um, which usually he doesn't do that. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you. For she herself has also been a helper of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Also, greet the church that is in their house. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ from Asia. Asia being Turkey now. Uh, Asia Minor, that is. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are outstanding among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Greet Apelles, the approved in Christ. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Persis, uh, the beloved, who has uh, worked hard for you 
sorry, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also his mother and mine. And he goes on to name a few others. I don't know why more of these names aren't the names people are giving their children when they're born this, you know, these days. Who wouldn't want a kid named Andronicus? You know, <laughs> this is our little Urbanus. <laughs> um, these, <laughs> these people that Paul honors, this whole list, listen to what he says about them again. Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints, and that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many, and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life risked their own necks, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all the churches, all the non-Jewish churches. Also greet the church that's in their house. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert to Christ. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junius, my kinsmen. That actually, that word can be translated relative, but probably means my fellow Jews, um, is probably what that meant. Uh, My kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles, who were also in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ. Stachys, my beloved. Apelles, the approved or the tested and approved, it can mean. Greet those who are of the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my kinsman, again, probably a Jew. Greet those of the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Tryphena, Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Persis, the beloved who has worked hard in the Lord. And Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. Also, his mother and mine. I I read these. That word servant, speaking of Phoebe, is the word diakonos. It means deacon. This was probably an official post in the church. In fact, this letter, or this passage, names nine different women. And Uh, six of which are called either fellow workers or it says they worked hard in the Lord. They did this. It's like, if there's any doubt that women helped launch the church in its early years and establish the church around the world, even in a place like Rome, That was sort of the epicenter. There were women that were carrying the burden of the church. And I know that there are places where people are like, oh, women in ministry. I'm not sure this letter would be written if there hadn't been some women. This lady, Phoebe, from the very beginning, the first one he names, Phoebe, a servant of the church. at Centria, which was just outside Corinth. So some of these people he knew from before they were in Rome. He met them in other places, like Priscilla and Aquila, fellow workers in the Lord. And notice they even put Priscilla first. 
Because apparently, she was the teacher of the two. So there are things about the women listed in this letter that if somebody's telling you that there's some issue with women being in ministry, hey, let's have a little look at the end of the book of Romans. And start listing the names of these women that it says worked hard, were ministers, a deacon in the church. These people were outstanding. Even this one, I love it, where he says about Rufus, a choice man, also his mother. Greet his mother and mine. I love that. This woman mothered Paul the Apostle. Uh, And, you know, I don't think that means that that was his uh, brother by birth. But this lady, we need mothers in the house of God. Amen? We need those people with that motherly ministry. In fact, the other word spoken of Phoebe, it says she was a helper. The word actually means something like uh, a patroness or a protectress. Some, like, and I just picture, oh, a mother. A mother who's protecting her little brood. And this is who Phoebe is. That's who Rufus's mom was. People, women who were mothering in the body of Christ. Helping people get established in the family of God, in the house of God. These people, this is outstanding. Priscilla and Aquila, fellow workers who risk their own necks for me. Other people who he says were, uh, who is it? Um, uh, Andronicus and Junius, who actually, Junius is probably Andronicus's wife. My kinsmen, fellow Jews, and fellow prisoners. These are some people who had paid a price to follow Christ and spread the gospel. And he says they're outstanding among the apostles. They're apostles. Now, I don't know what their role was exactly, but they were, they were considered outstanding among the apostles. These are out, so these people helped to spread the gospel, sent of God. The, and then some of them, there's two of them that it says, my beloved. He calls Ampliatus, my beloved. He calls Stachys, my beloved. And then one other, uh, Persis, he says, the beloved. Their identity. So all the way through here, Paul touches on what they've done for Christ or who they are in Christ. He honors them for their work and he honors them for their, their character, who they are, their, their work and their character and their identity, the beloved in the Lord. What do you, how do you think, you know, this uh, person, Rufus, when he read this letter and saw, greet Rufus, Paul says about you, Rufus, a choice man in the Lord. Oh, boy. I have a feeling he was encouraged. <laughs> you know, and Persis, the beloved. Oh, man, I have a feeling he felt pretty encouraged about going on in Christ. Amen? A word like that? How many ever saw this lousy movie from, I think... Uh, summer of 1995 called Waterworld. <laughs> Ryan held his hand up already. He knows. I've seen every lousy movie that was put out in 19... 19- Waterworld. How many saw that movie? 
And at the time, I think they said it was the most expensive movie ever made. It was something like $200 million, and it, it kind of bombed. But Rose and I went to it when we were on a vacation in California. We went down the Oregon coast, and we got into California, northern California, and it was, near Sacramento, it was smoking hot. I have no idea the temperature. We thought, we don't care what's playing in that theater. We're going in it. It's, it's air-conditioned. We're going in. And then, funny, because it was so hot, seeing water the whole time, it's kind of like... <laughs> I'm, I'm thirsty. You know, they're complaining, looking for dry land. I want what they've got. Anyway, there was a scene in the movie where the... The villain, uh, played by Dennis Hopper, gets up and he speaks to all these grungy people who are on this uh, old boat. And I won't give away the plot because now I know you're all going to want to see the movie. But he gets up and he, he, he speaks to all of them because they haven't found land and that's been the promise to these people. It's why they keep kind of rowing and giving their lives to find, you know, and they're on this big ship. Uh, and he's preaching and he's preaching this motivating message. And at the end, he says something like, dry land, dry land is not just our destiny, or not just our destination, it's our destiny. And they're all, ah, they're all cheering and they're, they're all excited. And he turns to his body. It's just a ruse. He turns to his, you know, kind of first mate, and he says, they'll row for a month off of that message. <laughs> like, he knows they'll just work. He, he doesn't care about them. He's just getting them to work. But when a real word of life is given, oh boy, you can step out and do things, right? Somebody believes in you. Somebody speaks a word of honor. Somebody blesses you like that. Boy, you can step up and you can go. It's like, Oh, man, I'll give, I'll serve, I'll do something again. Like Ryan was saying, hey, I'll, I can do this. I can, I can do this ministry. I can participate in this way. I can contribute to the benefit of the whole. And here's Paul speaking these words, not like Dennis Hopper just doing it to get people to work. He's doing it from the very heart of God, saying these people are blessed. They're beloved by God. They're beloved of the church. They're hardworking in the church, outstanding among the apostles. Oh, Phoebe, that lady has mothered the body of Christ. That lady is a servant to everybody there. They've worked hard for all of these kinds of things. He speaks this, and these people, I think even the ones he doesn't mention, I can imagine that that stirred some kind of a spirit in that church that this was a church of honor after that and that they would all speak that way about one another. And once, you know, with something like that, once it gains momentum and becomes the norm, then it's like it, it just takes over. Now, it takes negative energy to take it away. Just like when there's negative momentum, it takes some kind of a jump start to turn it around. And I've seen it a few times where being in a meeting that was like, one time an annual general meeting about, uh, 
I don't know, 30 years ago, not quite a couple of them. A lot of pastors, they hear the word annual general meeting and they... (laughs) Because bad things can happen at those. And we had a couple of them that were bad, but one, I can remember it was going the wrong way and people were just... It, it was it was brutal. It was kind of like demons were assigned to that meeting. It's like on on the devil's uh, calendar. Hey, look, Compass Church is having their annual general meeting in a month. Uh, volunteers. Oh, I love working at those. Yeah, you know. It's like, and this meeting was going so negative, And one person stood up and spoke a positive word, and it was like, like a fire was starting. It's like he poured water on it and put it out. It killed the spirit that it was like, oh, this is going the wrong way. He spoke something favorable. If we're typically speaking something favorable, it's going to take extra effort by the enemy to douse that flame, that positive flame that we want, amen? I mean, who doesn't like having someone encourage them? Everybody does. So it's easy or should be easy for us to remember others will want to hear that too. Others will want to hear. That was one of the things in Pastor Mel's memorial yesterday was somebody, one um, guy said that he was, when they didn't know if his son was going to live, there was a thing. Uh, I heard him a couple months ago say a very similar thing. He gave more detail and he said, Pastor Mel walked into their church and this is the son of a pastor and he said, his wife was at the hospital. They were only allowed one person in there. He was just really worried because they didn't know his son was going to make it. And he was wearing glasses because his eyes were so red and he'd been like uh, shades. And uh, his, he'd been crying so much. He said Pastor Mel walked in and he took the glasses off of his eyes, looked him in the face and just said, your son's going to make it. And you are going to make it, and you're going to be all right. And he, he wasn't just speaking hype talk. And sure enough, he made it like he's speaking a word of life at a time where it's like he needed something from kind of from above. And God does that. This speaking words of honor in truth, not flattery, is something coming from above. We need it. The Holy Spirit speaking from above into people's lives I want the Holy Spirit to use me that way more. I, I want to be somebody who's hearing a word from God and speaking it to people all the time, looking for something that I can commend in others. Okay, two things I want to say quickly, and we'll, we'll let this go. Two things to apply here. To be a working or a, to be a worker and a servant. I want to be that because that gets acknowledged in this passage a lot. I want to be a worker. I want to be a servant. Paul is saying that a lot here. I want to be involved. Ironically, that it's ironic that Ryan would say what he did. I want to be involved at whatever cost in the mission. There's a mission here that we're called to. I want to be involved in the mission of spreading the message that God has given uh, he has given his son for the world. He's, he loved the world enough, so much in fact, that he gave his son and he's acted to reconcile us and to put us in right relationship with himself. 
and to give us eternal life so we never have to die. I want to be involved in that mission. I want to be a worker. As Paul says, these people were working hard. Be part of the mission of the church and to be distinguished by being fruitful in it. I was praying that just this morning while I was out for a walk. God, I want to be fruitful and I want to see more people come to Christ. Amen? I want more. Let's, we've got seven months, uh, sorry, six months left in this year, just under. Let's pray that regularly, every day, if we can think of it. Let's, I want, God, I want you to bring people to me, take me to people that I can lead to Christ. I want that. I want to see people saved and then people discipled, serving and working for Christ. Risking, I want to be risking my neck, and I want to see disciples come. People who are risking something, I don't mean necessarily, um, you know, truly um, risking our neck. I don't want to do that. But sometimes risking walking across a room to start a conversation with somebody. Maybe that's the risk you take, a risk of going to your neighbor and saying, you know, hey, is everything okay? That kind of a risk where you step out for Christ. The world needs to hear about what Jesus has done for the world. He, the, the world needs to know there's a Savior and that God has acted to reconcile. Okay? So the cause. Let's be workers for the cause, for the mission. Number two, honor and acknowledge those others who are working to fulfill the mission. Acknowledge them and honor them for their work. There's different roles, as we were talking last week, but the same mission. Sometimes it might seem like, oh, are they doing, are they working for the mission or for something else? Maybe it's just a different gift. I know a pastor, uh, know of a pastor in Hawaii who talked about this grand Christmas pr- uh, production they did every year. And it was really great to hear him say, that at Christmas, he would walk out, and he, it was like one of these things where they've got, you know, it was a mega church, and they've got, you know, wires across the ceiling, so angels go by. I mean, people, uh, you know, are going overhead, and they've got live animals, and all this kind of stuff. is a huge production. And he said, he's the, the preacher who would come out at the end, and present the gospel so people could respond. But he said he looked at his church and he saw how many hundreds of people were involved in this production, not just on the stage, but the people in their huge parking lot to make sure people could get in in a timely fashion, and printers and uh, you know graphic designers and artists, and every kind of you know administrators, every kind of gift. And he said all of these people are part of preaching the gospel. He just said, I just get to be the mouthpiece at the end. But he said, all of them, he knows, he knew, what he did would be nothing if it wasn't that all those other people covered all those other things. He's got one role. I'm, I, I like this role. I, I like what God's called me to. But I know that, you know, it's, it's nothing if I'm in this alone. And I appreciate the gifts that you guys have. And, you know, there's, there's more. 
there's more gifts that you've got that aren't even, that haven't been used yet. And this is a prophetic word. Don't expect that someone will just know those gifts are there. Come and tell me or tell somebody. There might be some things that you're sitting on that you're thinking, I want to I want to use this or I want to grow in this or develop in this or exercise this gift. Don't don't expect someone will just discern it. Maybe come and say something to someone. Let it let it be known. Even if you think I I don't know how to do this yet. I want to you know, I I want to preach. But I don't know how to do it yet. I, so, you know, come and say, uh, I want to grow in it. I'd like to, I'd like to lead a home group, or I'd like to lead a prayer meeting, or I'd like to do whatever it might be. Okay, so that kind of thing. Let's. There's. We need to be workers in the mission, and let's honor and acknowledge workers in the mission. Those with different roles and um, gifts than we have. And work together as one. With one purpose, one mission. Philippians 2.2, I read this yesterday. This, we could do a whole message on. Paul says at the beginning of the letter to the Philippians, and that's a letter of thanks to a church that was very generous uh, with money. They gave an offering, and Paul's writing to them and saying thank you for doing so. But he says this early in the letter. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. What a, what a verse. Make my joy complete. I'll be really happy if you guys are of the same mind. You maintain or preserve the same love. You're united in spirit and you're focused or intent on one purpose. I say let's adopt Philippians 2.2 for us. Amen? Okay, we're closing with this. Somebody say amen just so I know you're awake. So, all right. Yeah, exactly. Thanks a lot. Fellow workers. That means workers together. Fellow prisoners together. Paul says, my beloved. Like, there's some degree of ownership there. My kinsmen. Like, we're together. Choice people. Helpers. Outstanding. Tested and approved. Working hard. People risk their necks for me. Together. This was my mother. This is what, this is what church is? Who wouldn't want to be in that kind of church, right? That's what church can be. That's what church should be, amen? An honorable community and a family that's deserving honor and a church where there's a climate of honor. Let's let that be the word of the week, honor. To honor one another. Let's be this kind of a church, really. Again, I know that, you know, we're down in numbers. It's summertime. But if we get it, if we get this and we spread it to others, there's enough of us here to impact our whole church, amen, and beyond. Let's aim toward this and contribute to 